Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, we're going to be discussing last Monday's interview with Brian Tibbs of Ardeo Global. If you haven't listened to the interview yet, take some time to hear what he has to say when you get the chance. Either way, I think you're going to find today's discussion on teams and leadership valuable. Back in the studio with me are Maria Hardiman, Bevelyn Thornton, and Jake Sullivan. Welcome back. Hey, thanks. So what did y'all think about the interview? I thought it was very insightful um, from the standpoint of it made me think about life as an everyday leader and not necessarily a formal setting for leadership. I found myself thinking, how can I implement this today? Yeah, and I will say that's a key part of this podcast. Um, Sometimes you have a formal leadership position, sometimes you don't. But the question is, how can you live your entire life um, kind of looking at every opportunity through that lens of leadership? How can you be a leader in any situation, especially when there's a need for someone to step up? Mm -hmm. Brian Tibbs did a really good job. I think I could tell even through the the interview, he is honest and he's um, fun and he's real about his experiences as a leader and encouraging other people to kind of not only walk in that same way, but um, to be encouraged in their creativity to do leadership as the Lord leads them in different contexts. Yeah, and I will say, for those of you who haven't listened to the first interview yet, Maria actually worked with Ardeo Global, and so she knows Brian Tibbs personally, and so she was able to kind of listen to the interview with that in mind. Jake, how about you? I like that Ardeo Global's sort of rethinking the way that the church does missions, because that's sort of one of those holy things that you're not allowed to change sometimes, (laughs) and to actually not conform and not get comfortable and find a a really good way to do things. Yeah, it, it is an interesting approach, pairing up people from different countries, sending them out for a couple of years, and at the end of it, they have a church. And uh, I don't know, Maria, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your own experience before we get into the discussion on some of what Brian shared? Yes, definitely. Well, I will say first what you said, Jake. Brian does a really good job with saying, we're going to put these people together in a room, and we feel that the Lord has... Um, helped us strategically put them together, and we're going to let him work everything out. (laughs) And Brian uh, really trusts the Lord in that, Brian and Jill, his wife. And so, yes, I did serve with them, um, not directly with them on a team, but they were some of our direct leadership. And it it was just that. Almost everything that he said in that interview are things that I experienced firsthand. And so I look forward to continuing to talk about those things during this interview. So real quick, what would you say are some of the ways that you grew the most? And maybe also, how did it compare to your expectations? Wow. Uh, (laughs) I was 
I had the mindset going in that I was probably not going to be defined by my strengths in going into the mission field. Here, you know, we have our abilities, things that we can do, the language that we speak. But I, I was kind of warned and encouraged in a way that I was going to be defined by my weaknesses. Um, so one of my expectations was to kind of see that new part of me that I really wasn't used to. Some of the things that I learned was, um, was how to lean on others and how to grow in that way and how to just accept the fact that I need team members. I need teammates in order to accomplish a goal. So you kind of came in with a certain set of expectations and found that to actually be the case. Yep. I was told about it and, um, still though, it was a hard lesson to learn, Sure, (laughs) but it was good. One of the things that Brian talked about throughout the entire interview, kind of the focus of the interview, because it's significantly the focus of Ardeo is, is teamwork. And so I wanted to start off with a little bit of a discussion about the idea of teamwork, making people more productive. I really wanted you to say make the dream work. <laughs> I, I want to that. talk about how the teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> Let's start with that. No, so how, how, how do we work well in teams? Because uh, sometimes we don't want to work in teams because we think we can't get things done. And so what makes teamwork work well? I think the supportive nature of it. So where I may lack Maria, for example, may have really good strengths in that area and vice versa. So you can work together to accomplish the same thing. Yeah. I do feel like working with a team helps you recognize how much you can trust, you know, the abilities of others or how the Lord could use them to help you reach your goal or you help them reach their goal. And so I I do believe that learning to trust people Sometimes, you know, learning to trust people, not only your age, but in a different context, in a different language, is just a good practice of life, learning how to give the benefit of the doubt. Um, And I think that that's something that maybe sometimes we don't practice enough. We're kind of thinking about this through the perspective of leadership. So what would be some recommendations that you would give to people who are trying to help their team operate more effectively? And Jake, I'm going to toss this over to you first because you are the manager of a restaurant. And so you probably have some insight uh, from not only the manager, but a new owner of a restaurant. So you have some insight that other people may not have. I, I was going to correct you, so, but th- thanks for clarifying. Big difference. Yeah. Owner operator. Um, yeah, I think it's important to know your team, know their strengths and weaknesses and make sure that they do as well. Because like Maria said, a lot of times we get defined by our weaknesses. And then when you have a team that's working well together, you have someone else to cover where you can't. And when you do things alone, it's really easy to overextend yourself and Mm -hmm. try to do it all on your own. And that can lead to burnout real quick. So when you have teammates to help out, you can step back every now and then. And yeah. So can we get into the mechanics of that a little bit? Like, uh, you don't have to give names or anything like that, but <laughs> wh- how, how have you addressed situations when people were not functioning effectively so that you could actually serve the customer and make sure the things that were supposed to be getting done were actually getting done? One thing that I like to do is have everybody do the other person's job. Okay. Every now and then, not all the time, but like, every other week or so yeah, just so that they can see how it affects everyone else when they don't do a good enough job at what they're supposed to do. Sure. Uh, so like I'll have a closer open once a month or something just so they see that when the stuff you're supposed to do doesn't get done, it makes it harder on everyone else. And that creates a realization that 
people are depending on you. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so I think that helps a lot. That's a great idea. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had to uh, switch uh, switch responsibilities with someone else and kind of gain a new perspective? I've seen it done a lot. I, I've had to do it myself, but I'm thinking of one very silly example. But uh, in Ecuador, I served there for two and a half years with Ardell Global. Yeah. And there was um, a certain juice that the kids would make in order to raise money. So part of making this juice was like extending your hand and, and like stirring the juice. And part of it was like pouring the juice. Some of the kids would want to do the easier job. And so we'd mm-hmm. switch it up on purpose so that way they knew, you know, you have to do the hard. A little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. So that's a silly example, but I'm just thinking of their little faces and just putting them in that position to go, look, this is team effort. You, we're not just trying to make it easy for one and harder for the other. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so going back to what you asked, um, why do people prefer to work more as individuals than as a team when it's been proven that teams are more effective? I think it comes down to trust. I think which both of you guys commented on earlier, if you don't trust the people in your team, then you're just going to say, Oh, I can do it better. So as a leader, you have to find a way to foster trust. So how would a leader foster trust? I think one aspect may be making sure everyone's voice is heard. Mm-hmm. Um, that way they know, hey, even if you don't like my idea, at least you gave me the space and the opportunity to say it. And you were respectful when I did say it. Yeah. I had tremendous leaders in the field. And one thing that they taught me was um, we can have each other's back without seeing eye to eye. And this was huge for me. I would say it was the thing that marked me um, when working with different individuals on a team, because I thought that conflict resolution should end in everybody feeling good about the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I learned, it took a while for me to learn that it doesn't have to exactly look like that, but I can still trust and have your back and we can still accomplish the same goal, even though we might not see eye to eye, but my leader had to introduce that to me and had to walk that out with me, um, to show me that it can still work. Teamwork can still work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess leading into another thing that he talked about based on the idea of trust is he talked about um, loyalty as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talked about, kind of one of the metrics, that one of the ways to measure this is when you have disagreement. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, basically be prepared to get inside of a room. And if you have a, a disagreement, duke it out. You know, get, get, it, it might be vicious at times, but Get in there, figure out the issue. At the end of the day, the leader's going to be the one who makes the final decision, but everyone gets in there. And then whenever you leave the room, you all have decided to do whatever the leader has decided. You all decided to function as a team, to be committed to each other after all the fighting. So on the inside, there is maybe some turmoil at first, but when you walk outside, you're all on the same team. I thought that was really uh, something that was very insightful and goes back to that issue of trust as well. Yeah. And making sure everyone's voice is heard. If you have that conversation behind closed doors, you can actually have that argument, which when he started talking about that, it was very apparent. He's been doing this for a while. Sure. Because it wasn't like, if you ever have a disagreement, (laughs) all right, when the disagreements happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think it takes a great facilitator to do that. Someone who's level-headed enough to say, okay, when it, when it gets down to it, I'll be mm-hmm. able to step up and go, all right, let's, we're still pressing towards one goal here. And Brian's particularly good at that. And I had great leaders who did that as well. You also have to be willing as the leader to make that final decision. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
I, I I can't remember the episode, but I remember uh, in the show The Office, Michael Scott, who's a manager. Uh, there are times when he just puts off that decision. You know, it's a, it's a stereotypical thing. It's the person who loves to be the leader, but whenever it comes to actually leading and and doing the tough stuff, trying to delegate that out as fast right. as possible, you can't be that. You have to be the leader who will make the tough decisions and take responsibility, uh, especially behind closed doors. That can be difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, outside people may be behind you, but it can be difficult to deal with that when you're making the decision and, and it's unpopular. As a leader, I think it is worth every ounce to explain to the people who you're talking to or that you're talking with your heart behind why. So, so mm-hmm. many times, maybe we can express the idea really clearly. We can express where we're going, what we're doing and why it's important. But a lot of times I, I find that, um, the people listening want to hear the heart behind why, and they want to be Mm -hmm. able to connect with that. Um, I don't know if that works in all settings, but in some very serious and really pressured settings, it helps to understand the heart behind why that leader wants to drive, Mm -hmm. you know, this particular thing or goal. I think that helps to unify the team. Mm -hmm. Because if you all know what the, the goal is, what the purpose is, as he was, you know, talking about throughout the interview, then you can work together. Mm -hmm. You have something in common that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and I would say that's especially true in close-knit teams yeah. because you you know the person who's talking. It can be easy for someone to come in who's outside and and you know say this is my heart. Well, you know it may be, but we don't know you. We don't, I mean, it's not to say <laughs> that you automatically distrust people on the outside, but it's really easy for people to say stuff and it just be words. But when you know someone, you're on a team with them, you've been close with them and they share, you have a lot better gauge to figure out, are they being sincere or are they just kind of saying something in order to take advantage or manipulate us? Mm -hmm. So millennials, what did y'all think of Brian's description of us as a generation? Because I think everyone sitting around this table today is a millennial. Uh, How accurately do you think it described you? (laughs) And maybe also if you think that you're deviant from the generation, how accurately did it describe the generation of millennials? It's funny. I mean, kind of borderline, but um, since we're on purpose, like that was one of the big things is if you have a specific purpose that resonates with their goal, our goal, I don't know, I'm right on the edge. So I'm never quite sure if I'm a millennial. Oh, for sure. But yeah. I fit the mold pretty well if if this is the mold. If if Brian's definition is a millennial, I am a millennial. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> but having a, a specific purpose that resonates can definitely do a lot to help motivate me. It makes it easier to to get going for something if I believe in the cause behind it. Yeah, and so real quick, if if people don't remember what we're talking about, one of the things that Brian said is that millennials... Um, sometimes have a stereotype of being lazy. We've all heard that by now. It's, it's kind of old and tired and it's a little <laughs> bit of a cliche uh, and yet it still lives yeah. on. But one of the things that he said is that millennials operate very well, but there are a few things that help them um, to really operate most effectively. And he said those are an objective and then the tools to accomplish that objective, the training. And then he also talked about having this thing align with their priorities or perhaps values. So what did you think of that definition? Jake, you're kind of on board with that. That's who you are at least. Yes. And if that's, you know, a millennial, then that's, then you're a millennial. I feel like that applies to most people though. I'm not sure that's millennial specific. I mean, so you're saying this is describing the universal human. Yes. <laughs> at, at least 
No. Yes. <laughs> it's like, really, how effective can you be if you don't have an objective, if you don't have the tools to get you there, you don't have the training to do it? Like, where are you going to go? I don't know. I say the, the one thing that I think does stick out is the the idea of priorities and values and how, how much does what you're doing have to align with those. And I would say the one rub is that we we live in a world today where so many people have like just like fractured values. Like you, everyone has a lot more different niches to fit into. And mm-hmm. so if you're too dogmatic about a very specific value set or very specific priorities, then that can become an issue. But yeah, I kind of agree with Jake that this seems to be describing people, people that want to operate effectively. This, this is a, you know, to have, to have something that has a clear objective to have something that gives you the tools you need, the training you need, that's what you need to be effective <laughs> in life, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's at least a mythos of the greater generation having more of a end goal, maybe, where they'll do whatever as long as it pays for them to have retirement at some point, and that might not be as true for us. <laughs> like, experience means more to me than money. So if I'm not going to enjoy the experience, there's eventually there's enough money. It just takes a lot longer to get there. Hmm. That's a good point that you raise. The issue might be that a lot of people are living today and millennials or not living without much of an objective. And definitely as a leader, you can't live that way. If if you're trying to lead and you don't have an objective, then you're not going to get done what you want to get done. And Mm -hmm. it, it is really interesting because as young people, we have to make the decision in our mind if you can track with me to submit to leadership. So if leader says this is the goal, we don't have a world of possibilities now of everything that we could do at any moment. No, there's a set path or pattern to get to where we're trying to go. And so that is working directly in contrast to what the world is offering us right now. You can be anything, you can do anything, you can go anywhere um, for whatever amount of money. And when you're actually submitted to leadership, those, um, options are become you know they become limited and you really set your mind on one thing you get focused and you sober up and you say okay how do I do this thing again when the world is telling me maybe I need to do uh, this that and the other these are my opportunities this leader is telling me actually do without and let's band together and and go towards one goal I think we really have to focus to, to piggyback on what you're saying just really narrow down what the the end objective is I think one thing he brought up um, in the episode is that millennials tend to hop from thing to thing. We're not really tied down to Mm -hmm. one particular thing. Um, So I wonder if that's in an attempt to find our purpose. Mm -hmm. So how do we go about finding our purpose? Because throughout the podcast, um, he talked about being a leader and knowing your purpose. Mm -hmm. So we've got to find that. Is it going to be tied to our passion or... Is it something else? I love how understatedly you brought in that question. It's like, so here's the most important question that you could ever ask. So what do y'all think? <laughs> yeah. So uh, essentially what you're, what you're saying is as we're seeking purpose in life, how important is passion? What role does passion play in purpose? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Because since we hop around, are we trying to find our passion or are we trying to find our purpose? Or are we trying to display our loyalty? Do, can they all work together? How do we yeah. do that? Yeah. Okay. So, cause some people, some people do live life and they're doing things because they think that they need to, they think mm-hmm. they're supposed to. So that's mm-hmm. that loyalty thing. Some people are following their passion, whatever that may be. I think a big thing for a stereotype for millennials is traveling us. Um, but Jake, like you said earlier, experiences, that's, that's, that is a big thing. And then you also have that purpose. 
where does that fall in the midst of all these things? One of the things he, he said, uh, when you ask him, a leader is blank and he had three things. He said bold and tough and he said intuitive. And I feel like those are pretty, like everyone is going to agree with those, uh, still insightful answers, but self-explanatory somewhat. And then the third one, which didn't get summed up quite as well, but what I heard was future focused. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when, when people jump from thing to thing, it's because they're focused on what's my purpose today mm-hmm. and they can't see past to like what it could be. Uh, and it sort of called back to when he said he started with Ardeo because he felt called to do it, but he wasn't passionate about this first project he had to do. <laughs> and then when you hear him talk about like where they're at now, and obviously there was a momentum that built to this great passion project that he has that he's doing now. And had he just left at the first thing because he didn't feel it then. Yeah. I think, I I think a a huge thing is having a a larger story that you fit into and knowing what your place is in it. And uh, as Christians, we definitely have that. We have a clear beginning to this, this story. And then we have a very clear ending that provides some sense of purpose where other people find that purpose is different. But I think that you need to, you need to have a larger story and you need to know where you fit in to that story. And in that you're going to find a purpose, but the difficult thing is finding and understanding what that story is. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that in my personal life, something that the Lord is specifically working with me on is I, I'm really not a vision caster. I, I, you know, maybe I'm weak in setting goals. And so I, personally appreciate the team aspect because there are other people who are really good at goal setting and reaching those goals. Um, for me, I do feel a huge invitation to be purposeful in the things that I'm invited to. And in that I find my purpose. So maybe I find out kind of like Brian, I find out on the back end or I find out in the middle, Oh, this is, this is why I was here. This is why I was invited or asked to do this. Um, he mentioned, Jim Collins, good to great, and this thing called the flywheel. I don't know if anyone else knows what that is. I had to look it up, but it was the concept that like when a company becomes great, it's not a moment. It's not the sort of thing that you can just like Instagram. This is the the big fancy thing that happened that made us great, but it's momentum that builds, and the longer you do it, the the faster it goes, and you have to keep working towards the thing. And I think that sort of echoes in the finding your purpose in being purposeful yeah. that there's not going to be some lightning bolt most of the time that this is yeah. where your purpose was it's in being purposeful mm-hmm. and doing those those small things over time yeah absolutely well let's go ahead and end the discussion for today right there but i want to go ahead and move to our key takeaways from the interview so maria you were the one who's had experience with ardeo global what were your key takeaways from what you heard from brian on monday I loved when he said that we should ask why not instead of why, um, because there are a lot of um, things that can that we can accomplish. And I just I think that that was a, a very positive way that he could end uh, by encouraging us to to reach for more. Absolutely. Jake, I really dig the third step of the plan that they put in place. So they they introduce a team and they do evangelism. And they do discipleship. And then step three was essentially training your replacement so that you can 
step back and a, a moment ago you mentioned having a, a specific end and having that goal sort of seemed like a, a really cool leadership tool of at some point someone will fill your shoes and then presumably you move up. Yeah. We don't always think about preparing in that way though. So often we are kind of just focused on uh, what we need to do yeah. and, and doing that, my job. that's it. Yeah. Doing our job, but we don't necessarily think about what's going to be happening after and who's going to be doing that thing after. Yeah, absolutely. My key takeaway is, that, you know, good leadership qualities are more about character traits than actual technical knowledge. He really focused on the loyalty uh, conflict resolution, that's what really stuck out to me. Yeah. It's like who you are as a person. Yeah. The three things that really stuck out to me in the interview, first of all, are the characteristics of good leadership. And he was talking about loyalty, quality of spirit, and capacity. And he said there's a high priority for those first two. Capacity is great, but... Distant third. <laughs> a distant third, yeah. So having loyalty and, and a, a good quality of spirit uh, those are very important things. When a leader is looking to hand off responsibility to someone else, those are two things you need to be looking for, loyalty and quality of spirit, and a distant third, capacity. Uh, in addition to that, on your team, you have the ability to shape the direction. We didn't really talk about this as much in the discussion, but just general teamwork. Um, you have a part on a team, whether you're a leader or whether you're not, whether you're a formal leader or whether you have more of an informal leadership position but you have the ability to change the direction of your team. So what are you doing with that responsibility, that, that power? Are you using that for good or to work against the team's priorities? Yeah, maybe not even ability, but a responsibility to direct. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so what are you doing with that responsibility? Are you using that well or uh, are you not using it well? Are you not using it all? Because those are three possibilities. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're fighting against the team, which is not good. Sometimes you're fighting for the team, but sometimes you're just on the team. And that's it. And that's not good. And then the final thing was uh, fight hard behind closed doors, especially, you know, when you're disagreeing, fight hard, uh, duke it out, do what you need to do. But when you go outside, stand unified and, mm -hmm. and show who you are as a team uh, that's, that really has a, a purpose and a direction. Well, Bevelyn, Jake, Maria, thank you all for being here today. Thank you. Peace. Thank you. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this week's interview with someone you think would benefit from it. Or three, give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. 
Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.